Gratitude That's my everyday What's up, everyone? You are listening to Quantum Coffee. I am Ben, also known as the Fear Guy. And if you're tuned in, you're in the right place with my brother, my friend, Joe. Thank you for having me. Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. I'm glad you're here. And uh, I'm really excited for you, for us to dive into this uh, this conversation together. Uh, it's with a good friend, Ben Harris, no, also known as the Fear Guy. Got to know Ben over the last you know, six months to a year. Uh, he's an amazing dude, very wise, and his journey is just continuing to unfold. Uh, he does a lot of work around fear, uh, which is very fascinating. It's a very um, it's like one of the base emotions that everything stems from. And so the work that he does is very powerful and the journey he's been on is incredibly insightful as well. Um, we talk a lot about his journey. You know, he was at one point a professional uh, rapper, had dreads and everything. Um, and I think I'm gonna try and find links for you guys to put in the show notes if you guys wanna check out uh, him and his rapping career. Uh, he's worked in a corporate office and uh, he's just learned a lot of lessons throughout his life. He grew up in the Mormon faith. Uh, which I always find fascinating, you know, growing up in a certain religion and then being able to evolve past it and question those stories and still, you know, reconnect with uh, an experience of the divine of creation. Uh, and Ben inspires me every day with uh, the way he shows up. And I know this is by far one of my favorite conversations. I felt like I could have talked to him for hours. So I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoy this podcast, definitely reach out to me directly. We're putting together a new strategy as well. Where we're putting bonus content with these guests through our community platform and really excited about it. There's going to be a link in the show notes. And if you're called to have access to kind of this premium content, um, there's going to be a free section where you can kind of just engage with me, engage with other people that listen to this podcast. And then there's going to be premium options um, where you get access to bonus material uh, like this extended episode that I do with Ben uh, and other bonus content like Ask Me Anythings and um, solo cast, stuff like that. And so if you want to be a part of this community as we grow this podcast and really try to impact the world and change the world together, uh, I think it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited about it because it's going to allow me an opportunity to engage with all of you and you guys can actually engage directly with me. So go check that out. There'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, join it. It's free. And then obviously there's little paywalls to get access to premium content and really excited to see you over there. Um, if you feel called to support this podcast, a really simple way to do so is to just take a few seconds. doesn't take any time at all and leave a five-star review that goes a long way in helping support this podcast, grow this podcast and get it to a wider audience. Uh, and if you know, as well as I do, the world needs this message now more than ever. I hope you get a lot out of this conversation as much as I did. And uh, without further ado, hope you enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Ben. Ben Harris, what's up, brother? Joe Holly, it's good to be live hearing the podcast voice. Yeah. <laughs> is there a distinct difference? Well, yeah. I mean, I, there is, but I mean, there is with me too, right? I mean, there is, but there, but there isn't because we're still us. But yeah. they're just like, okay, now I'm on. We're here. Yeah, we're on we're air. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And the mics help make a cool sound. I love wearing <laughs> these headphones because then I can like hear my own voice. Yeah, we sound in it. Yeah, it's like I'm in this portal with mm -hmm. you. How you doing, man? Doing beautiful. We are recording at eight in the morning. Yeah, I'm feeling it a little bit. <laughs> I got my coffee though. 
I've got my quantum coffee, so we're good. Back in uh, back in Austin, feels good to be home. Got home a couple of weeks ago. You mm-hmm. live here, yes. What do you think of Austin, dude? Um, someone recently, someone I was talking to someone last week about Austin, I think. And when I moved here, it was November 2020, 2020, because it's 2021 now. So it was November 2020, and I had visited here quite a bit. And then actually what happened is I was nomadic in 2020. So I actually went, I booked a one-way ticket to Hawaii um, on, on the North Shore, North Shore of Oahu with the intention to spend the winter there. And then what happened was as soon as I got there, it was like, I knew it wasn't for me. Like I felt like claustrophobic and it was just like, my body was just like, no, this isn't for you. Interesting. And, like most people love Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, I do love Hawaii. Like just I'm, not that time in that moment. Not that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so, which was interesting. I felt more alone. I felt like constricted. And so immediately I just knew it was like, oh, it's Austin. And so I booked a one way ticket back five days later. And then my car was at my mom's house in Salt Lake City, Utah. So I packed the car. No, the car's already packed. And then I just drove. I got back Saturday morning and then I drove out on Sunday and just drove here. I just drove here. Mm -hmm. Was there anything more than just that intuition? Was there anybody (laughs) calling you here? Anything? No, dude. I mean, of course. And that's what I was talking about the person about is how much Austin is changed me as far as um, like community. Like I knew there was like you, Adrian, like, Austin, so many other cool people. And I knew there's a lot more people that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but truly, like the actual people um, more than ever have been, have truly like opened my mind and heart and like eyes and all the things. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fascinating how there's this like energy field here in Austin that's just calling so many people here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just showed up here like, a, I guess it's like three years ago now bought a house right before COVID. And I was just reflecting like the, with this on uh, with Sarah, actually. And we've been on the road for eight weeks. And then we spent the summers up in Colorado. So we haven't been back here in like six months. And to get back here, it's like, I feel like my whole life I've been, I f- kind of felt like a black sheep in my family. Never really felt like I belonged. And always felt like I was trying to find like where I did belong, like find my home. I felt like I didn't really belong in my family dynamic and I've just been searching. And then when I was, you know, done playing football, I just went on this journey. It was very much because I felt ungrounded anywhere. And I was just reflecting on this, like being back here, it really feels like the first place I felt like home. Yeah. I think we talked about that the other day too. Mm. Yeah. Like we were outside in your backyard with peeps and it, yeah, it was like that. It was just like, this feels like home. And honestly, for me, I felt, there's definitely a part of me that likes that has an attachment or a story of like liking to do things alone, meaning like I don't need anyone, which is helpful in some points, but also it's also unhelpful in other ways. Mm. And so that's one thing that Austin has taught me is like, Oh, like um, letting down my walls and has been extremely helpful and like just feeling yeah accepted and loved and all the fun things. Yeah. Community is so important. It's a huge part of being human. And I think a lot of people, um, at least, you know, in my life and just figuring out like to be your authentic self and to be around people that see you and love you 
and there's no real judgment at all and like releasing that judgment which you know to know that to judge somebody you're just judging yourself and to be able to like be free in that way and be around people that are free as well i don't think there's anything uh better in life i mean some would argue that's the purpose is, is mm-hmm. the relationships and connection mm-hmm. um where does this this intuition come from because you have a very strong intuition just being yeah. around you over the last year you know some of the work that you do we'll dive into that as well mm-hmm. um but you know you're just saying you're you're in hawaii didn't feel right and then you're like i'm Austin. i know it like what how is that connection to your intuition how would you describe what that is and then mm-hmm. how have you you know connected throughout your life more with it yeah, so it, I mean, I know intuition feels different for everyone just because, like, if people know human design, like, if you said human design, it, it, you feel it or hear it differently based on literally how you're designed, like what your makeup is. But for me specifically, is it's a knowing, it's, it's an interesting, it's not like a voice and it's not even like a feeling. It is just like this knowing where I just like no, so it yeah it really is like hard to explain. But fortunately for me, I've been connected with that for of course most of my life, and it's it's always it's ebbed and flows in different ways. Um, but even as like I remember I remember being a kid like three years old, and as you know and the listeners probably don't know is that I grew up in the Mormon church. So I grew up in Salt Lake city. And for my third birthday, I wanted to go to a Mormon temple. So I didn't want to like, you didn't want a new bike or, or a bouncy house. You just wanted to go yeah. connect with God. Yeah, exactly. Right. Wow. And so my mom took me and I remember we went to like this new temple that was opening and we just got to tour it. So for whatever reason, I've always felt a call for that. And I've always sought, um, and leaned into that deeper understanding. And I've definitely had to practice. Um, but one of the most visceral moments was actually, it was 2018. So it was the end of 2018. And I had worked in this corporate job for you know eight years or something. And then I got recruited for another job. And um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do because I'd never lived outside of Utah. You know, I had this job had a girlfriend all the all the things and then my mom was like well ben you should just call on your angels and i was like okay mom you know like sure like i get it but i'll just do but it this too. is real life <laughs> yeah yeah i was like i'm gonna, sure but i did so long story short i was driving down i was driving to work one day and it was cold dark in the morning and i remember i was driving in my car and i literally called out loud angels <laughs> like, I was like beings, spirits, energy that I don't understand or see. And I was, I just asked the question, I was like, should I accept this job? And as soon as I said that, it was just boom. Like I got the deepest chills that I've ever had in my life. I just felt them. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it was, it was immediate and it, they came in waves and it wasn't just like, oh, I'm like a chill cold or, you know. That might be a coincidence. What was that? <laughs> yeah. It's, the AC it's hit winter. me. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, and it was, um, yeah, like it. I I think it could just be what I'm telling myself, but I think it it st- it definitely started and stopped quite a bit. Like they came in waves, mm-hmm. but I think it was like seven times. Wow! So it was like, and they were like to my bones. Like they were the deepest chills that I've ever felt. So as soon as I felt that, I knew. 
Mm. For whatever for whatever reason, I'm the type of person like once I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I just have to do it. Like I can't imagine not doing it. Like I'm so grateful that, like yeah, once I know, it's just like I'm all in. Mm. And so I think I broke up with my girlfriend the next day. I put in my notice, um, and then yeah, <laughs> and, and then, you know, you know, yeah, and then that also started. The craziest, I'm not sure the craziest, but definitely the hardest 2019 was definitely like that hardest, the lowest part of my life thus far. Yeah. Big transitions usually do that. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, we're kind of going through that collectively, but like when you have an intuitive hit or a knowing, I mean, a similar thing happened to me in football. Like my last year of football, like I knew that it was over and I didn't know what was next. I didn't know where I was being called to, but I knew this just this chapter was over. And I was engaged at the time. I had played football 16 years of my life. And I had known, I didn't know who I was outside of that. Mm-hmm. But there was this just slow little whisper. And I was like, you know, it's time. And it was one of the most challenging experiences in my life. Like I experienced really deep grief and I felt like a void. I felt lonely, isolated. And, you know, everybody looks at my trip and they can see it, you know objectively like oh i wish i could do that i wish i could go you know have the money and resources to go travel the country for two years but it took a lot of courage Mm -hmm. to go out that's why a lot of people that have the resources don't do it because it's it's more (laughs) of a story of fear and we're going to get into that because i know you (laughs) love that's the work you do it's around fear but i want to get back to the religious upbringing you Mm -hmm. talked about growing up in the mormon church um i grew up in evangelical christian church and um I'm sure we have different journeys, but I think there's a lot of similarities for people who've kind of grown up in religion, but then having to go find that connection for yourself. So talk about that journey of growing up uh, in the Mormon church, kind of what that was like, and maybe how you're, because obviously you have this like innate desire to know God. I think Mm -hmm. everybody is born with that. In our hearts, we want to know God. And a lot of times we try and find that in church. And for me, it didn't really make sense I was always a curious person, had a lot of questions. A lot of those questions were never answered in the way that I thought was, you know, good enough. Like I didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And so part of my journey has been like, how do I go figure this out for myself? Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a, a, a beautiful path, but I'd love to hear your perspective on kind of growing up in that Mormon faith and where you're at now and how that's evolved. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, it's definitely um, a disciplined religion and I don't have, fortunately, I don't have any like beef or like strong. There's a lot of people that leave religion or the Mormon church specifically, because I know it's like a, you get a heavy distaste in your mouth and it's almost like you're anti-religion, right? Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, because you feel like cheated. You feel um, like bamboozled, lied to, all these like manipulated. And so rightfully so, you do like hate it and like rebel and all these fun things. Um, and so, but for me, I never, I never felt that way. Um, but like growing up, I was, I was for sure like the perfect Mormon kid, meaning I would read, um, so Mormons are Christians. So like, you know, I haven't read the whole like Bible, but, and there's other doctrine, like the main difference with the Mormon religion is the book of Mormon. So I, I used to read that like Mormon or morning and night. So you have the Book of Mormon and 
the traditional Bible uh-huh. that is kind of unchanged from like a Christian faith, or is there a little bit different um, translation? So it's the same. It's like okay. the King James Version. Okay. What's um, the Book of Mormon just like kind of what would be in there as far as the story of? Yeah, it's like, I don't even. So the is back. Is it as dense as the Bible? No. Okay. Thankfully. <laughs> but I think it's You'd probably, still be in the, the faith trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've read it a couple of times as a, as a teenager. Mm. But it's probably, I'm not sure, someone would probably know, like a thousand or thousand pages maybe. But, you know, like they're so thin, paper mm. thin and small like print. Bible page. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how do they fit so many words on one mm-hmm. page? And yeah, so I am i can't remember to sum it up quickly of like, what is the difference between? But essentially, Joseph Smith was like, his story is actually interesting just to see from like an outside point of he he was actually, he, he was like a 16 or 17 year old kid going to church or going to all these different churches to find the, to try and find the truth. And then the story goes is that three, I can remember if it's two or three, two or three angels um, appeared to him in the forest saying that none of these churches are true. And they guided him to the golden plates, which were in the forest. And he, um, unburied them, dug them up, and then he translated them into the Book of Mormon, which there's a lot of similarities, but supposedly, right, is it's like, this is the truth that the world has been missing. Mm. And so it's it's not like, I mean, it's still like religious, it's still Christian, um, still a lot of similarities. Um, but yeah, like growing up in that, for sure, like there's a lot of discipline of and that's where definitely like my perfectionism probably comes from um not all of it because of course that's just part of me but definitely like how i grew up um but also like it served me because that's how i that's really i am a disciplined person but that's where i cultivated like okay i'm gonna wake up and do this because i wanted to obey i wanted to be righteous and like good enough literally Mm -hmm. so i did form like so many quote unquote, good habits that have served me like today, but the unhelpful ones, right. Are like, well, if I don't do something, then I feel guilty and like, I'll never measure up and all the fun things like that. Unworthy of God's love. Yeah. Unworthy is probably the biggest thing and not good enough. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I don't know a ton about the Mormon church. You know, I was told it's a cult. I think my dad thinks anything that's not, you know, Christian or evangelical Christian is, is a cult, which is fascinating because the more work I've done, I can see how, you know, <laughs> the faith he has is very cult-like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the challenge, right, is it created discipline. But when you're in something, especially at a young age, it creates a foundational story mm-hmm. of who you are and how you see the world. And what I see is with a lot of people, you know, I think curiosity is the key to deconstructing the stories of what this reality is. And it's hard because once you get down to those foundational stories, like it's really, really hard to even have an awareness of them. Then they come in and to look at them and let them go. And one of those foundational stories for me, even though I grew up in the Christian faith, I always had a lot of questions. I went to college. I didn't, I stopped going to church, but, and if I talked to you on the street or something, I would say, you know, I don't really believe that. I think there's something more, but I 
never fully let go of the belief out of fear of, you know, because the belief that I grew up with is you need to believe that Jesus died for your sins to get salvation and go to heaven for eternity. Otherwise, yeah. if you just don't believe that simple thing, everything else doesn't matter. But if you don't believe that, you're going to hell for mm -hmm. eternity. And so <laughs> my whole fear is like, if I could die in a car accident tomorrow, I don't want to not believe that. And so I was hanging on to that. And it was just deep in my unconscious because like, if we had a conversation, I wouldn't feel bad about being like, oh no, like, I don't really care about that, you know, but I realized it's with my, my father specifically. And, you know, when I was on the road trip, actually, just like a few years ago, I remember having this conversation with him and it was the first time he directly point blank asked me, and this is when I really started like reading all these books and different Eastern philosophy texts and meditating and just expanding my mind and really trying to find God for myself through my own experience out in nature. And I really started to understand for myself what this experience is like. And I started feeling more confident, like this can't be true, but I was still there. I was like hanging yeah. on to it because it was such a foundational story. And I remember having a conversation with my dad and he point blank asked me like, Joseph, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Mm -hmm. And I remember just this heaviness in my heart and it was just like this density. And I was like, started breathing heavy and my nervous system was activated. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's okay. Like you, you, mm -hmm. it's okay if you don't believe this. And I was like, and I, I said, no. And all of that energy just let go and I released and it felt so freeing. And I realized after deeper reflection, there was definitely a layer of me wanting or letting go of that story. But what I realized is there was a deeper layer of, I didn't, you know, I didn't, it was mostly with my dad because I didn't want to lose his love because I didn't believe what he believed. Mm -hmm. So a deeper story was I was hanging on to that story because I was fearful that I was not going to be loved by my parents. Mm -hmm. And so for me to tell him that and releasing that, it was another step of taking who I am back and knowing who I am and being okay with who I am. Because I feel like a lot of times with my parents, was like wearing this mask of trying to be who they wanted me to be to receive their love. And it was this, you know, part of this whole journey of my life and traveling in the, in the van and everything was very much like figuring out who I am and then part of the healing journey with my parents, which has been a really beautiful journey, is showing up with who I am and allowing them to love me for who I am. But I can't expect them to love me if I'm wearing these masks all the time because they don't know who I am if I don't show up with who I am. And so that was a huge moment. I think, you know, that foundational story, being able to let that go has been had a profound impact on my journey with really connecting with the divine in my own way and not having a story around it. So was that challenging for you, you know, going from the Mormon faith? And was there a moment you know, when you started questioning that particular faith and kind of moving past it, what was that that journey like, the length of time and questioning those deeper foundational stories for you? Was it challenging? Um, yes, but in a different way. So it was, so what happened is my mom actually, she went down her own awakening path and then she was one of those people that turned like, like a, a, like she was a rebel, right? Like she rebelled against the system basically. And for a while I still went to church. Like we even moved away from the neighborhood that like I had all my friends, like a, like a group of 10 or 12 um, young men that are definitely like childhood friends that we did everything together. So we moved away from that, from that neighborhood. I still went to church, but between my mom and then there was, I also had a girlfriend. She wasn't religious. She wasn't Mormon. And then there was something. And then also because we moved, we were in this new church building and the leader of the church, as, like, as far as that sector, that part, like geographically, 
um, is called a bishop. And just like the vibe of that church of that in that building just didn't vibe with me. And so it became easier and easier for me not to go between my mom, my girlfriend, and then just the new environment. And then on top of that, that's actually when I first got into music. So um, Mormon kids, Mormon men, now it's 18, but uh, 12 years ago, it was 19 that you would go on a service mission. And so basically the time came where all my friends were going. And so between those other influences, I was just like, it was that knowing again, of just like, for whatever reason, I don't want to go. Like, if I'm not all in, I can't go. If I don't fully believe it, I can't go. And so it was just at that point, eventually through some time, probably a year, year and a half, maybe two, is that I decided eventually I just stopped going to church. And then from that point is I dedicated myself to actually at this point, funnily enough, is it was on my 19th birthday is my friend, Sean. Do you know, because I know you know Robert Greene, right? Mm-hmm. So 48 Laws of Power. And uh, he has a book called The 50th Law. Have mm-hmm. you heard of it? Mm-mm. So it's actually with the rapper 50 Cent. So it's essentially a sequel. Wow. It's a sequel to The 48 Laws of Power. And but it's called The 50th Law. And so What's the, the 50th Law? Is to basically be fearless. So what he learned from 50 Cent is that he, why he's so successful is because he's fearless. Now I know, right, is there's no such thing as fearless. Like, I guess you can, that can be like a rally call or a rally cry, right, to like kind of motivate you and push you. And But I've actually reflected on this too, because you look at the word fearless and you think, or you hear the word fearless, you think without fear. Mm-hmm. But if you break it down, it's fear less, less. Like, how do you fear less? And as we know, to fear less is to go conquer your fears and go experience mm-hmm. them and realize that they are just delusions. Exactly. And like, so in this book, um, you know, very easy read and it just like spoke to me. And I, and I was kind of already like that doing certain things. Like even when I was a junior in high school, um, I got asked to perform for my first time in a school assembly. Um, rapping and I was terrified when this girl asked me I remember being uh, exactly where it was I was in math class and she was like hey Ben would you want to perform for this assembly that we have and I remember just like this visceral feeling of fear coming up but I couldn't say no just because I was like that's like I wanted to do that so I said yes and then at 19 when I got this book it made sense to me instead of just kind of like a knowing it clicked mentally where the book was like do everything you're afraid of basically. Mm. And so that's when I dedicated myself to doing everything I was afraid of. And from that point is me and my friend who were rapping together. We went downtown like in winter nights after Utah jazz games and downtown Salt Lake city really isn't like a pop in place. But after jazz games are over, like the streets are just flooded with people. Like it's, you know, bumper to bumper cars. And so what we did is we actually, went and asked random strangers like, hey, could we rap for you? Hey, could we rap for you? What's a topic? Give us a topic, we'll rap for you. Because we were terrified of it. Mm. So, and we went and asked girls out because we were like pretty shy, shy or timid or introverted guys. So we just found things that we were afraid of. And then and then it worked. Like as far as like the performing and getting over fear, like I just started, even when I went back to college, like I made it a point to, um, 
like always be the first person to volunteer to present or speak because I was scared of it mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a bu- better public speaker. And then same thing in work with work. I always volunteered to do things because I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember this one time, like I this employee on my team, it was like the worst <laughs> scenario. Like we had to address hygiene with this person. Um, meaning like, like her hygiene, uh, unfortunately, was so bad. It was distracting. At work? Yeah. <sighs> like the smell and the, also the appearance. Wow. And so having to approach that with someone, I remember. So I was, Where were you working at this point? So I started at, at around the same time, actually, 19. I started in this, you could call it a tech finance company. Um, I was about, I was like, I was so small. So I started in customer service part-time on the phones when I was like 19 when there's like 50 employees. And by the time I left, there's like 1500 employees. Wow. And we went, so that's a whole thing too, of like how that's developed me a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, with this woman, I remember being the supervisor and I was like so stoked. It was weird because it was, it was a hard conversation and I've never had that before. So I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. I'm ready. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I remember the team lead that I, that I had that was on my team was like terrified. Like seriously, it was just like sweating and like almost crying that we had to talk about it. But so long story short with everything, for whatever reason, just that mind, that mind shift of, oh, like doing everything I'm afraid of is, is the answer. That's just my, like, I would literally seek everything I was afraid of. And, and then, you know, we could get into that, but then that's eventually how I realized like, oh, that's what I'm really good at and I can help other people do it too. Mm, yeah. If you're listening to this um, and you take anything from any of the podcasts or any of the content I create, I think this is the most powerful lesson. If you really want to you know, live the fullest experience of life mm-hmm. is lean into the discomfort. And it goes back to what we talked about with the intuition, like connecting with your body and fear has a visceral feeling in it. And if you start using that as a compass to lean into it, you're going to find out who you are, what you're made of. You're going to build resiliency. You're going to build confidence. And I truly believe if you're looking for deeper meaning and purpose in your life, you know, find some stillness and, you know, recognize what scares you, what comes up and go, go get out there and experience it and, and widen your comfort zone. I think that's the most powerful thing. I mean, that's the, the big tagline I've adopted is, adopted is on the other side of fear lies freedom. Mm-hmm. And so I have a very similar life path, like what scares me? I'm, I'm going to go do it. And it's funny because I had this huge fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating that I would, uh, if you asked me like 10 years ago, it's like, no, I'd never do that. And I started recognizing like, wow, that is what I feel called to do because I've adopted this thing of like, why does it scare me so much? And I've done deep reflections of like, I have some humiliation wounds as a, a young age of like standing up in front of my class in fourth grade and freezing and everybody laughing at me. And so there's reasons that these things come up in our nervous system, but to you know, know that those are past experiences and being able to heal them and get outside your comfort zone, I think is one of the most powerful lessons anybody can learn. Um, so what, is, what does fear feel like in your body when you recognize it? For me specifically or in general? Uh, for you specifically, maybe in general, <laughs> maybe some, some stuff that you've noticed because I know this is the work that you do with mm-hmm. a lot of people. So real quick though, I like how you brought up purpose because a lot of people don't realize that fear is actually guiding you to your purpose. Mm. Meaning is like, there's a reason. So, because one of the questions that, you know, you have asked or asked is like, what is the purpose of life? Mm -hmm. And so 
a big point of that is fear because it is, you said it is a compass. Like it really is. It's like a beacon of what I'm afraid of. There's, there's different fear, like degrees of fear with it. Part of the fear is like, that is your like call, your call, right? As far as like you fear it because that's what you need to learn. So you can become that and embody that in, in your life. But also part of the fear too is like, oh, I don't want to go to that because I know that's, I know that's everything. And if, if I don't achieve that, or if it doesn't happen the way that I know, or I want it to happen, then there's, you know, subsequent beliefs and stories and failure and worthiness and all the fun stuff that comes with that. So just like, usually your fear is your calling. It's associated with that. Um, and then what fear feels like in the body is, because I do ask that. So I usually, I do tap into um, people's bodies. Most of it is in the heart. There, there, It is other place, like it can come in the stomach, can come in your throat. It can be like all over your body. But most people that I've worked with, it comes in your heart, which makes most sense because fear and love are closely related and the expansion. And it even goes back to your purpose because, and even what you said on, on the other side of fear lies your freedom. So they're so closely tied to each other that that's why even when you had that experience with your dad, like, do you, do you believe this, that Jesus died for our sins and all that fun stuff is it's so you can feel so constricted, but then once you lean into that, once you do the thing that you're afraid of, it, it, it's like immediate freedom. Mm. And so, and they're so closely tied. Fear and love are like best friends, but enemies at the same time. It's just what a paradox. Yeah, it is. It mm. is a paradox. So, but mostly like some people can feel overwhelmed. Essentially any resistance is fear. Any mm. stress is fear. Any doubt is fear. Any worry is fear. They're all just different names for fear. Mm. Yeah, that's. I think fear is the core emotion mm-hmm. that kind of permeates. Like if you look at like a like a diagram on a wheel, like fear and love are kind of the two emotions, um, kind of polar polarities. Um, and then outside of that, like if there's a ring outside of it, like all of the emotions that come out of that, the origin of it is fear. Yeah. And so to have that awareness and go, and that's what everybody talks about when you say like, hey, do the inner work or do some introspection or find some stillness, go inward. Like all these, you know, mystical teachings and spiritual teachings throughout the millennia, I've always talked about like, go inward. And I was like, what does that even fucking mean? Go <laughs> inward. And it's like recognizing your connection to your, your physical body. Like, what is it trying to communicate to you? Mm-hmm. And even having a story around a feeling, like a lot of times if we have an energy come up and the story we're telling ourselves around it, if we get lost in those thought patterns, it actually makes the feeling worse. And you kind of go down this, this cycle and this, this rabbit hole of like fear and then it kind of perpetuates itself. But if you can slow down the mind and just connect with the feeling, a lot of times it's, it's you know, communicating with you. And you, when you learn to tap into that intuition, it can really guide you to magical places because there is this greater intelligence that works through the body. And I truly believe like the connection to the divine is the connection to the, to the physical body. Cause it's like a tuning fork. It's the thing that is guiding us. And that's where intuition is like, it's a, it's a knowing, but it's like this paradox of there is like a, a separate self me, but there's also this collective experience of something that's greater than the self, however you want to define it. And to connect to that is to connect to the body because there's this intelligence that works through the body. Mm-hmm. And if you learn to have a relationship with that and kind of braid your will with it 
it will guide you towards where you're headed. And a lot of times that's into the things that make you feel discomfort. Yeah, exactly. And discomfort is the fear, right? It's usually, okay, I'm afraid of not getting something or I'm afraid of losing something. Mm. That's basically what it is. Yeah. I want to, I want to step back because you talked about, you know, one of the first things you did, um, and I do want to talk to you. Let's just take it even a step further because I want to get into the wrapping and take kind of back. where that led to. Yeah, let's, let's run it back. Run it back. Um, it must have been a big decision to not go on your mission because I know that's yeah. a huge part of the Mormon church. It's like a, it literally like stamps your worthiness as a male. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to like make the decision of I'm not going to do this. But it's almost like what I was hearing is you almost respected God so much and respected the church so much that you knew that if you weren't a hundred percent in it, then you shouldn't go because it's going to be kind of like living a lie. And so a lot of people might be like, Oh, I need to go kind of fake it because I need Mm -hmm. to earn God's love. But you actually were so connected past the the actual faith that you grew up in to God. Like you said, when in third grade, you just wanted to go to the temple. Mm -hmm. And so you had this connection that kind of overrid that and you actually respected it more and like turned away from it. And that's kind of what led you to this decision to, I'm not going to do it because I'm not hundred percent in it. There's a little bit of questioning and I got to go figure this out before I decide to do it. Was there any maybe thought of like, maybe I'll do it at a later time or is there only a time frame for you to do it at that certain time? Yeah, you can, you can go later. I think like the last age is maybe like 20, it's either 26, 27 or 28. Cause I think they don't want anyone over 30 cause it's two years. So mm-hmm. they don't want anyone over 30 there. Um, for whatever reason, I think part of the reason is just to like, so you can create a family, you know, but like, I did have a back thought of like, maybe I'll go, but at the same time, it was just like, no, like, this is the thing that I'm going, going into. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, it was a story, right? Um, I mean, there's a mix of things, meaning I like what you said, because it is, it is a respect for God in the church. And also, but there was like kind of fear or shame involved. And so I used the music thing as part of a reason. It was my, my reason not to go. And so, and, but that motivated me. Like, I remember like, oh man, okay. I, because I didn't go on a mission, I have to show that the past two years were like worth it. Mm. And so there's definitely, that's unhelpful, but also helpful at the same time because I made a lot of stuff happen mm. that, that, and it was super fun and I'm glad that I did, but definitely a mix of those things. Yeah. So let's get into that journey, the the, the <laughs> rapping career. So for those of you that don't know, Ben here, if you're watching this on YouTube, he's really clean cut, really good looking dude. Uh, used to have dreads down halfway down his back, I think, mm-hmm. and um, was a part of a rap group. So he started off 19 years old, just shared with us that he would go down to the uh, post game Utah Jazz <laughs> fans yeah, so on the fun. streets and asked to freestyle for him just to get outside his comfort zone. So talk about that journey. Where did that lead you to? And um, talk about that, that rapping career. Yeah, dude, it was so fun. Like, this is actually fun to reflect on. Like, as far as like the bigger purpose for me, there's so much that I learned. Like one of the stories, um, I, it was either going into my senior year or right after we graduated it was my second performance and it was a, a friend's, they had a combined birthday party at this like kind of teen club where it's like, is that a club where you're just dancing? Right. But it's like, you're not 21 yet. So it's just like, you kind of have no to, alcohol. Or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, they asked me to perform again. I was scared and, and I was writing and creating new music at the time. And I remember on the way to the venue, 
I was literally trying to memorize words to a new song, which is not a good idea, you know? <laughs> so if you're going to perform one song and like, okay, I'm going to try and memorize a new one. Or so... Just testing yourself. Just te- Yeah. And, but it didn't go well. So, <laughs> so long story short is uh, like I started to stumble. I didn't memorize all the words. So I was just like kind of mumbling and maybe partially um, freestyling. But that was really before I got deep into freestyling. And there was this guy in the crowd, wasn't part of a friend's, just started booing me. <laughs> what an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah, and it was it like it made yeah, it made me just like mess up even more, right? Um, but then after the show was over, I remember having this for whatever reason, this um perspective to tell myself a story, even in that moment of oh my God, like I just got booed and I didn't perform well. Like some people could view that as just complete failure Mm. and shame, which that was part of it. But for whatever reason, I told myself a story in that moment. I remember like walking in the street back to our car. Like I can't wait to be on a, just in however long, in two, three years, I can't remember, I can't wait to be on a stage to a sold out crowd rapping about how I got booed. Mm. And then that was the fuel I needed. Like, I was able to reframe it so quickly. Um, and so that's part of just like, no one taught me how to do that. For whatever reason, I was just able to do it. Mm. And um, that and that literally happened is that I remember being one of our shows probably two or three years later to a sold, to sold that crowd of like probably 200 people in this small venue. And I had a song that, that says like, learned a lot more, learned a lot more than a clap back when y'all booed me. And so meaning is like, I learned more from the boo than I did from a clap, Mm. from applause. And so like, that was just like such a cool moment. And that's what I really learned. There's so many things I learned from that, but of like, because I was the driving force behind our group, meaning like booking all the shows. So I learned like how to manage things um, that helped me with the corporate world, that helped me with this even what I'm doing now in this entrepreneurial world, like that was my first kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it taught me so much. Like we created CDs, right? Like kind of a mini tour, a merch, um, all like all those types of things, and definitely like performing, performing, um, unleashed part of me. Just because, yeah, like I was, the, I was the typically like clean, clean cut, like quiet person. And even, even when I was in the corporate world as a manager, and even though I did have locks they were still like they were still surprised that I rapped just because I was you know a manager and just like really really chill they were really clean very good looking dreadlocks too oh absolutely yeah we'll we'll, we'll make sure Ben gets us a picture and (laughs) link it in the show notes for y'all yeah I was proud of him and uh but yeah like performing dude like just the best thing it's like sports but prolonged because it's like at least with football right because Obviously, I didn't play in the NFL, but played in high school and growing up. Of It's kind of like you make a big play, oh, hype, and then you're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. With performing, it's like a prolonged. Mm. It's honestly, this is funny that I can relate to this. It's like being on MDMA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could talk about that yeah. if you'd like. But I, I always find it fascinating because when I look at like a DJ or I'm at a mm-hmm. concert I, and, you know, being more connected to energy and like tapping into the collective energy of a crowd. And I look up there and if there's like a DJ just like vibing out and like drops a beat and like the whole crowd goes, oh, and I'm just like, oh man. And I've always wondered like, what must that be like 
to be up there and everybody's energy is you're, you're basically tapped into it. You're controlling the energy of an entire room. I think that's so freaking incredible. And you feel like there's, I mean, there's definitely ego in it, right? Like you feel like a king, mm-hmm. like you feel like you do, like there's like what you said of control. Like it's a mix of, wow, I'm in sync and I love all these people. And you do, it's both. It's like, and after the show of like everyone and you're just like hugging and like, yeah, like it's just like this, you're one, you're, like you're one organism, basically. That's just all vibing together. Um, but definitely like, I think it was, I read something or heard something about Justin Bieber about why so many artists get depressed is because even when we talk about MDMA is because the serotonin and dopamine levels are just so high and then they drop right back down. Mm. So like literally natural depression. afterwards. So it's, and if you're just always going up and down, up and down, up and down, then naturally like, especially for being, for being so young, having no tools for people loving you for something you do, not necessarily just you and they're using you. So like, there's a bunch of things that like are understandably why people like these pop stars and like people with immense fame go quote unquote astray or yeah. lose themselves. I mean, it's a huge, it's a really relatable experience to athletes too. And like mm-hmm. why a lot of athletes struggle because, you know, it's like being that good at something, but all the attention you receive and then the energy of the crowds being in those flow states, like there's so much that goes into it and there's not a lot in life that can recreate that experience. And no. when it's over, it's over. And mm-hmm. it can be a real challenge to really put the pieces back together. Like who am I without this thing? It had defined me. I received, it was a, way received love and validation, but also just like the amount of energy that you feel when you're out there. It's, I mean, I'm just tapping into it right now. It's like the most mm-hmm. incredible feeling ever. And it I is. do miss it, you know? I do too. So <laughs> I want people just to kind of understand mm-hmm. how kind of big you got. So I know you said you opened for Tyga. Does yeah. That tell us a little bit about so, that. So, I mean, I wasn't, so we weren't like, oh my God, we're huge. Everyone knows us. But as far as like in Salt Lake, um, especially, you know, having, dreadlocks is people would I remember being recognized and I felt like the coolest person in the world mm-hmm. as we, just because of that but um, it was so yeah we opened as far as like Salt Lake City goes again it's not like oh my god we're making a ton of money and we're doing this thing but as far as like in that moment and in that time so 2014 was the peak which was crazy it's that long ago but um, we definitely did a lot of things that hadn't been done before as far as like these competitions or shows that we won and that we performed at. And like we did like a mini tour, like regionally in the Mountain West, which was cool. Um, But yeah, dude, like we did a show, our album release that we put out in 2014. I think we had 800, 700 800 people there, which for a local hip hop group in Salt Lake, is insane. That's dope, man. And so, yeah, that was definitely like one of those moments like, wow, I can't believe we did this. And then that summer is when we performed with, um, at this fest- local festival with like De La Soul. So if you know, like hip hop, that's like a le- legendary, um, I wouldn't say old school, but I guess kind of old school group from New York. And then, yeah, like we performed with Tyga before g Easy a couple of times, ASAP Rocky, Wow. BLB. So like we performed at the University of Utah and that's when we opened for like BLB, which was really fun. That's dope, man. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind throwing down a couple lines for us? <laughs> Dude, I wish I should remember. Um, 
like that line. Sometimes I listen back to, I wish I could remember some back of the lines just because that's what I really want to say because off the top of my head, but let me see if I can remember. Cause back to the line of like, learned a lot more than a clap back when y'all booed me. Um, then what was the next line? I was like, learned a lot more than a clap back when y'all booed me. Feeling like I'm stepped on something like duty or something like that. But I forgot what, and then I said something like obsession with progression. I constantly improve me. Um, see, there's something in there. Mm-hmm. God, I was feeling that though. But oh. like, but dude, like, yeah, like that's the stuff. Basically the theme of the rhyme or the theme of music was essentially just like positive energy, improve yourself and let's go. Yeah, which that's, is not normal vibes for like the rap game, but you actually brought like a lot of amazing yeah. lyrics and real like art to it. Yeah, I mean, it was like different because of course like we didn't grow up in the typical like hip hop environment. So it was not like- the, in, the inner city of Salt Lake, Utah. <laughs> yeah, or like selling drugs or anything yeah. or even like smashing chicks and all that. Like our girl songs were like really fun and kind of just like adventurous and like playful. Um. And that was fun for us too. And then also just performing. Um, it was, yeah, it was like motivational, but for us, like it really was for us. And then it translated for other people. Of like, like even that line, like obsession with progression, I constantly improved me. Mm. Um, so good. So deep. Yeah. Um, what was the journey like, you know, as that came to a close? Was it challenging to let go of it? Was it a slow kind of fall from grace? How was that? It was slow, but the influence that, made it happen was actually a girlfriend at the time um she i mean this wasn't a healthy way to do it but it was like she basically on like the pinnacle so um in that summer of 2014 the pinnacle like i remember like manifesting this i remember it's called the twilight concert series i remember going to a concert um and probably when i was you know, 2021. And I remember thinking like, oh man, like I've got to perform on there. And then long story short, we did. And so that was just such a moment, like a full circle moment and so cool. But in that moment, it was this interesting pull and dichotomy of my two friends and brothers were were like backstage, like we're watching these legends perform for 20,000 people. Um, like on the side and like we just performed too and then I remember I can still see in my head like looking to my left they were on the stage looking to my right is this pouty girlfriend (laughs) it was like I don't want to be here anymore and so unsupportive of it Mm. Um, that's challenging yeah and there's like jealousy and just like this isn't wholesome and all the fun things like that and eventually that ended Um, but she is unhelpful as that was it got my brain uh, turning about other things. And so essentially I just took my foot off the gas with music. So we still kind of did a couple of things. We put out like another project, but I went back to work. And so I was already working and back in that company that I said, I started with 50 people. It was growing so fast. And so I put all the effort. I was like, if I can do this with music this quickly, I know I can do it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so I think in one year I got like three or four promotions and then, then I went back to school. So I was in night school and then I studied business and then simultaneously 
got my business management degree while I was getting promoted and like doing these crazy projects of, you know, we probably had like two or 300 employees and I hired 40 people in a month. So I was in charge of hiring and then they eventually put me on new teams or teams that weren't doing well. And then I would like flip them around, turn them around. And then they gave me, like we acquired a company. They get, they put me in charge of that, of like acquiring like the operations point of it. And then that was really cool. And then eventually like through those experiences is why I was like recruited and brought to this other company and all, and all the, and all those things. And so all of those moments, like music prepared me for that, even school prepared me for that. And all of those moments even like prepared me for what I'm doing. And like, I'm so grateful for the corporate world because I learned how to coach there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to be, you know, great and inspiring and an amazing leader. And I definitely embody that. Like even in work, I remember because there's goals, you know, like it's like, yeah, you got to hit this goal. You got to get this much, collect this much, sell this much, be this productive, da, 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 make this many calls. And I remember wanting to hit that, right? Because that, because I wanted to win basically. But at the same time, I always did it differently than other supervisors or managers. Like I, I just was, I was that weird boss that, that like a 10 minute follow-up would turn to like an hour conversation because I'm asking about your life. So I always, I mean, part of that, the shadow side is like, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be loved, um, which was helpful. Right. But then also like, um, I was trying to validate myself in other ways, but anyway, I did a lot through that, which then allowed me to get recruited and accept, and accept this job that, um, that I was able to, um, accept and move across the country. And I mean, we can get into that too, as far as like how I even had to leave that job, but I'll leave that for later. <laughs> yeah. So, so all of that led you into the work that you're doing now. Yeah. <clears throat> which is uh, around fear. And I'd love to um, kind of dive into, because of the work you did, and we've connected through some synchronistic events. Uh, I had you mm-hmm. attend my retreat, uh, my recent retreat through the Heart Collective. It was a river rafting retreat. Uh, and I want to get your perspective on that. But first, how about you describe kind of like, like the work you do now, like how would you describe who you are and the work that you do? Yeah, so I know you know the quote by Joseph Campbell is that the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Mm. So how I view it is I'm just a loving guide that walks with you into your cave to get the treasure and then get the hell out. Because <laughs> it's like you don't want to stay in the cave forever. Mm. Because, but some people, we do, we get attached to the cave. Yeah. And it gets it's very validating and all the fun things. But um. Yeah, my job is to be a supportive, loving um, guide to walk with you into your cave so you can access your treasure. Mm, and you do one-on-one coaching, you have programs. Yep. So it's a mix. It's always evolving. So one-on-one, always, forever. I love it. Um, and then, yeah, different programs, um, retreats. So the programs and retreats are always kind of evolving. And as I evolve, rightfully mm-hmm. so, yep. as far as like when I what inspired me to do retreats is I went to event to an event to an event with 2000 people. And then I joined a mastermind and I was like, sweet, there's going to be like 20 people there. 
there was 200 people there. <laughs> you thought it was even more intimate. Yeah, well, and it, yeah, it was like a 20 grand thing. And that was, I mean, there's so many different moments in my life where I like, I couldn't. Who was that through getting 200 people at 20 grand to pop? Like, I cannot wait to get there. Let me manifest that real quick. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you know Brendan Burchard? Mm-mm. So just typical kind of like mindset. Um, just like, uh, like Tom, you know, Tom Bilyeu? Oh yeah, yeah. So he's friends quest, with right? him, right? Yeah. So kind of like that similar mindset of just like high performance mm-hmm. coaching ish things, and um, so anyway, like there's no way I could afford that, but I just felt like I should do it. So I put the six, five or six grand on a credit card. Long story short is, I've said that so many times, and it turns into a long story, <laughs> but uh, is got nothing but time. Yeah. So that turned that. I got the idea for that retreat in that in the next morning of in the room of like 200 people. I got the idea for a retreat, and I know that was part of it is like to have that conversation with with someone who motivated me and inspired me to actually go for it, and then simultaneously also saying, "Oh, like yeah, it's not intimate. Like I'm paying this much money, and it's not even that intimate." So what was like, it like? Were you sitting in a in a stage of two hundred people, and he talked on stage to you like this traditional? Program? Not that it was okay. just like uh, because it was at a hotel, right? So because you had those huge like ballrooms, and then it went into a smaller or a like smaller breakout room. groups. But it was it was just it was like a we had a breakfast and a dinner, so it was just it was just a big room with two hundred people, you know, and that you were just kind of connecting and stuff like that. Wow. Um. So yeah, right. I mean, twenty grand for. Uh, your mastermind that's, mm-hmm. that's nice right for yeah. for that many people but um, that inspired to do for me to do retreats the way that I wanted to do it I had never even attended a retreat before I did it but I just knew that I wanted to create I wanted to uh, yeah I wanted to create what I wanted to attend mm. so and that's what makes it different right it's not a meditation retreat it's not a yoga retreat it's it's like it's a mix of kind of everything of just I literally just create like, okay, where do I want to go? Who do I want to do it with? And what do I want to learn? Mm. And then you create the experience and that, that I want to be like, yeah. I don't want to be bored. Right. Yeah. Like I want to do that. And so, yeah. So the retreats are always evolving. Um, yeah. So I coaching. Think kinda, all this I think that's kind of where we're evolving too. Right. Like, you know, I just look at like the traditional, like public speaker, motivational speaker and people pay high ticket items to go to a conference and they sit in a stage and the person's on stage you know, sit in the crowd and the person's on stage and they're kind of speaking to the crowd. Yeah. And like everybody, I mean, let me tell you something. If you listen to this, there's no secrets out there. Like all these books on the wall, like I've read all the books, they're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And everybody on the stages are saying the same thing. And yeah. I think this evolution of what I'm seeing and what I'm being called to do, a very similar journey is create containers where there's this actual intimacy there's there's this safety there's this sacred container where we can all show up and be our authentic selves and everybody has an opportunity to participate and be, it becomes a co-creation and i think that's really a deeply healing experience where people can actually feel like they have the space to participate and you know i truly believe we're all students and we're all teachers and by having a space to share our experience it's not only healing for us but it's healing for others and I think it's going to kind of continue to shift where it's this model of like, I want to go learn how to be the best version of me. And this person's going to tell me how. Mm-hmm. And especially like with access to like social media and stuff, like all of those speeches and everything, you can just consume on your phone. Yeah, on YouTube. But to create a space where you can get outside your comfort zone, feel feel the fear in your body, and then feel 
you know, through the people that facilitate, like if you really get someone that creates a good experience, create that safety for you to like non-judgmental container, express who you are and getting outside that comfort zone in those ways can really lead to a lot of growth. So let's kind of talk about, you know, cause I, I know the work that you do and actually you sent me a podcast where you actually, it was really beautiful. It was like kind of like a little five minute s- snippet of you actually going through process with one of the hosts mm-hmm. that you were on. Um, you sent me that and I just felt called to invite you to host a workshop at my retreat around fear and just, you know, I've witnessed you in your work and your process and it's really beautiful how connected to your intuition you are and how you are such an amazing guide and you're very patient and you're very curious. And I think curiosity is really key in this work is to like be genuinely curious through presence to help guide the person into their own answers because we both know like we we don't have your answer everybody has the answer within mm-hmm. them and we're just guides to help you uncover those unconscious patterns and dive deeper into your story so we help you go inward right mm-hmm. through curiosity and it has to be a genuine curiosity it can't be like i went to this coaching course and i know the questions to ask and because if you ask the question at the right time it's not going to feel authentic you have to really be curious of like where is this leading me and where am i trying to lead this person and being connected to the intuition where it's almost like surrendering to not it's not even me doing it it's just mm-hmm. this like intuitive thing so i'd love to first kind of just little plug i want to, i want to hear your uh how your experience was of the the retreat that i put mm-hmm. together for the heart collective we had eight athletes there it was a river rafting experience it was my second retreat i've ever put together and it was an absolutely magical incredible mm-hmm. experience but i'd love to hear your perspective and and how it kind of how you went through it and maybe your experience and mm-hmm. any transformation that happened yeah, dude, for me, it was like when you invited me, of course, it was like, okay, I wanted to make sure um, that one, like, it was more so like, okay, do I want to go as an attendee, right? It's like, yes, I know I'm going to lead like this workshop and hold space for people, but also do I just feel called to attend as an individual? And then I got that yes, right? And I was like, um, and I had asked, uh, like source, I put out the intention of, hey, I want to do something to like, I haven't done anything like big or out of my comfort zone in a while. And then that came up. And then like a week or two later, it's like, oh, that that was the answer. And just because when you initially invited me, I was like, oh man, like a river rafting retreat, that sounds just a bit like too, like I want to be clean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, comfortable. Yeah, comfortable is really what it was. And then right when I got that, I was like, ah, okay, then I got to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the, like just the river rafting part was amazingly beautiful. Um, it was like, I thought we we're going to have to paddle like the whole time. So I was like, oh man, we're going to have to paddle. We didn't have to do that. So that, that was nice. It's fascinating. All like beforehand, like all the stories that people were saying, uh-huh. like even Wyatt coming and a lot of the guys are like, these stories get creative like mm-hmm. what's the expectation what are we going to be doing and what are the challenges i'm going to be uncomfortable i have to sleep in the tent like all these mm-hmm. things that are naturally as humans in this society and culture and day and age we they're, they're uncomfortable and so yeah. you start projecting like what is this thing going to be like and it's really cool because they actually the, the the company we partner with adrift they do these retreats all the time or not retreats but they do these experiences and i actually mm-hmm. went on this experience last year and participated in one of and all the retreats I've done, all the healing work, all the plant medicine, all the breath work, like all these different types of retreat, yoga retreats, 
This one, even though it wasn't a retreat, it was just an experience that I went rafting on, was one of the most deeply healing experiences of my life because I was just so connected to nature. It was so quiet out there, Mm -hmm. so still. And I realized, man, if I could create more intention and facilitation and create safe space for us to really like dive into some, some more vulnerable work, this will be magical. And it's really cool because what I've realized just on reflecting on it is I think the key with this work and getting people outside their comfort zone is to, to bring, make the discomfort as comfortable as possible. <laughs> like, it definitely was. <laughs> like cre- even creating like a, a, a share, share circle, like not, not mm-hmm. expecting people to like dive deep into like, what's your deepest, darkest secret? It's like, hey, like, mm-hmm. like, what's your name? Like, what's your intention for being here? And like giving them the space to speak that out loud. Like that's a little bit of uncomfortable. And they're like, oh, I, I was received. I feel safe. And then you slowly get deeper. And that's like with that type, that side of the work. But then Adrift, the company we partner with, they do an incredible job. We're on, we're on the river for four days, three nights. In the middle, like we have no access to anything. So it's actually quite a dangerous thing because you have to, the safety is a huge thing because we're in the middle of this river with no mm-hmm. access to anything. But they do such an incredible job of making you uncomfortable in that discomfort. Like they bring all the tents for you. They bring the kitchen. They set yeah. it up for you. They cook you amazing food. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time you're like, I'm in the middle of nature, but this is, it's almost like glamping. Like it, mm-hmm. it felt like, oh man, I feel like a man. I'm out here, but like you're so taken <laughs> care of and held. Yeah. That's really cool. So sorry. Keep going on. No, with dude. No, we sorry. Like, and because you're doing them yearly, right? Yeah, anyway. so we just actually just got the the dates for next year. We're locked in for September fourth, so the the retreat will be September third to the eighth. So put it on your calendar, anybody. Hey, so I would yeah easily like definitely like go because it is completely unique. Meaning, there's no that I know of, right? There's no mindful river. Like yeah, there's river retreats. Where it's like hey, let's go go through the Grand Canyon, you know, but. What you're and you were telling me about it before, and like, of course, your vision, but you have to experience it. Like, you can't just like what you were saying before of all our expectations and why, right? I know, like, he was afraid because he'd never done anything like that before. And so it's like, you just can't know. So, anyone who feels the call, you just have to say yes. Like, there's no, like, even all the details, all the summary, all the explanations on a podcast, me and Joe talking about it is you can't experience it unless you know. And same thing with even me and psychedelics is like it was it's been so different than anyone's told me about. Like I you just my experience is different from anyone else's. And same thing with like retreats is like you just you can't mentalize it. You have to just go be there and experience it. But yeah, as far as like being on the river, there's it was so like man, there's different parts of it. So yeah, being on the river was so fun for me because I grew up doing that with my friends. Um, in church things, but it was so, so that was fun. Like it brought me, brought me back to that. Like you said, like the food was amazing, easy. I didn't, like, I didn't feel like I had to try that hard, but the beautiful thing about that, Joe, is that it did allow me to go deeper in other ways. And I think Mm. that's probably for the guests too, right? Is because, okay, I don't have to expend energy in paddling or I don't have to expend energy in like worrying about all the, how my clothes, are they going to get wet? Like, like, is it's like, okay, then I can just worry about what I'm here. I'm here to go inward and I'm here to connect with people and have fun and expand. So it leaves that space and energy to do that, which I just had the insight, which is actually really, really cool. And so the river part is amazing. The nature part is amazing. And then another big part for me was, because I work with mostly women because, it's, and you know this, right, of expanding your business is that 
men have resistance to opening in this way and diving deep just because, especially like when you're talking about fear, fear is a weakness and you're not supposed to feel it. You're supposed to be fearless. Mm. And so, but so diving into that with those guys, it was really cool. And I had a story for whatever reason, I'm not sure way where it came in of like, oh, I don't like connect with men that well. Um, but then with that, I was like, no, I really do. Like, it's actually very natural. Mm. And I feel at home and I feel at ease and it's, I'm definitely a dude, mm-hmm. like, like a dude's dude. So that helped me. And it's like, oh, this, like when they're ready, they'll come for me personally of, and yeah, to get insight of dude, the guys just want to be loved too. Like, um, and Jason, like when his article comes out of like what he shared, right. And I completely understand. I relate to that of having a fear of love because you don't want to get hurt. Mm. And so you hold back. and. So definitely like insightful, um, connecting the beautiful, it was like a perfect mix of, yeah, like that fun I'm taking care of, I'm in nature. And also I get to like do this deep work and you're definitely having an experience that you won't have anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks so plug, <laughs> but honest plug. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're going to continue to put together a wide variety of different experiences. I'm sure we'll collaborate again in the future because I truly believe this is the work that's really needed, especially for men. Like you said, um, you know, I had a lot of resistance, especially in the environment I grew up in with football. There was like this really deep camaraderie and brotherly love, but it, there's it's really challenging for men to share intimacy with another man because we have I'm a very homophobic culture to yeah. like even sit with another man and like be vulnerable and open. It's like, what, what are you trying to do, bro? Like what, yeah. what does this mean? And the stories come up and there's like so many walls that go up Yeah, and to create that safety. Like it's something I've really fallen in love with is creating safety and there's different ways to do that and different tools I'm learning. And they're very subtle. Like the cool thing about creating a retreat experience is you can bring this intention and bring these tools in that I've learned um, from all the retreats I've been to and all the work I've been studying. And it's very subtle ways that people might not even consciously recognize, but energetically to create safety is for them to be like, Hey, you can just be authentically yourself, which is so refreshing, so healing, especially as men, especially as athletes. Cause like you said, we have to, we've been basically have tell ourselves that we have to have it all together. Yeah. Like we have to be the strong one, the leader, you know, we've been told this story. I'm sure every guy that's listening to this has been told at some point in their life, like, you know, men don't cry, big boys don't cry, like pull it together, which what we've learned in the work that we do is, that energy needs to be expressed. And if you don't express it in the moment, you don't feel safe enough to express it and you hold on to it, that energy accumulates in the body. And so to create safety and even vulnerability brings up walls. And the mm-hmm. same thing with fear. It's like, oh man, what does that mean? What am I going to talk about? I have these deep things in me that I don't want to share with anybody because I'm going to be judged. And to realize that the only person judging is yourself. You're judging yourself. And to create a safe container and be in those containers is to speak something that maybe you've never told anybody and it to be for it to be received with love and non-judgment it allows you to release it and you feel safe enough to process and a lot of times there's emotional releases which is really beautiful like whether it's crying laughing like really expressing in a container and you've seen and heard like that is what the healing work's all about and that's what i think men in this society and culture really need and i think that's an important part of this collective transition that we're going through is to really hold space and be authentically ourselves and be able to express fully 
And that's being safe within ourselves and doing that work, but also finding community where you feel safe. And that's, you know, the real desire of what I'm creating with the Heart Collective is a space for guys to feel safe to do that work so that they can let go of the things they're holding on to and then go out into the world and be able to hold space with the people they love. Mm-hmm. And that's how we send ripples of change out. Um, anything to add on that? The only the only thing I'll add is there's the saying that vulnerability is strength, but true, like actual, not trying to gain anything because what you said of energy doesn't need to be expressed. But like, honestly, the leader or the patriarch or the just you being a sovereign soul, like just doing it for you in the end itself of sharing, honestly, that is like strength. Like I know it is expressing emotions, feeling fear. That's the real strength. That's the real leader. Like not saying, oh, I don't feel this. No, I'm not afraid. No, I'm not afraid to lose or anything like that is no, like what's real is like, like admitting that because yeah, to me that, that is strength is like, cause everyone feels it. So the person who admits it and is willing to feel it and share it, that's the person who's strong. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, we talked a little bit about the individual journey we're on, but there's obviously this huge collective transition happening on our world. And it's something that I think humans have never been confronted with. There's a lot of fear in the world. There's a lot of division. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. Um, And to me, it feels like there's this, it's all kind of coming to the surface. And I've, after, I mean, we've been in this for a while and it's like everything's (laughs) getting shaken up. I don't even remember what life was like before this. Mm -hmm. And I've confronted my own fear through it as well. And I've come to this place of real optimism and excitement for seeing it for what it is. And it's so funny because I grew up in this Christian faith. And even now, you know, my parents talk about, you know, it's, it's a spiritual battle. There's, there's a spiritual mm. battle going on. It's good versus evil, yeah. right? And it's cool to come full circle and to really see that it is. It is this, this spiritual battle, this energy, this old way of being that we've been going through cycles as humanity for such a long time. And I can see this new energy is here in, on earth. And I feel like this old energy, this divisiveness, this fear, this corruption, this egotistical leadership and narcissism like that has permeated our entire reality. It's always been there, but it's, mm-hmm. we've been able to live our own lives. And now because of this experience we're confronted with, it's all coming to the surface. And, you know, in some deep medicine ceremonies, if, if anybody here has experienced listening to this experience, plant medicine when you, especially like ayahuasca, right? They always talk about purging. And naturally there's these experiences and these moments in ceremony when darkness kind of rises to the surface and a lot of fear and a lot of just ugliness and shame. And it's like really intense. But then there comes this point where there's this purge and purge can be, you know, usually people talk about throwing up and a lot of people have thrown up. I've done 13 ceremonies and I've never actually physically thrown up, but I've, definitely purged energetically, whether mm-hmm. it's like a deep, ugly face cry or mm-hmm. laugh, just tears running, yawns, like energy leaving my body. And in those moments, it feels so good. Mm-hmm. And so what I see when I look out in the world is this, this energy that's always been here, that's this, this darkness. You can call it evil, but I think evil, it's like my idea of God growing up was this man in the sky 
that's separate from us, that is, you know, vengeful and <laughs> I should be scared of him. Oh and yeah, then, fear of God. Fear of God. And then, you know, evil is like Satan. And so there's these symbols of like evil is this thing, this entity. But I've really, I, I love like the symbols in all of our language and everything and like understanding how this experience is so perfect in so many ways. But like, I think it's fascinating that, that, that evil is just live spelled backwards. Mm-hmm. And so all evil is, is the, is the opposite of life. And so if life is full of energy and vibration and expansive, evil is just the opposite of that. It's dense. It doesn't, there's no movement. It's just, it's non-life. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's, it's necessarily bad. It's just not, not life. And so there's this energy of, you can call it evil, but it's just this darkness, this low vibration mm-hmm. density. And what I see when I look out in the world now is it's, it's rising to the surface. And what I see happening is this collective purge. Like we're all connected in this collective energetic field and it's coming to the surface and it might look ugly, feel ugly. It's going to bring up a lot. Obviously, if you're listening to this, like it's probably brought up something within every single person that's going through this experience and it's different for every single person. But instead of attaching to this fear of like, okay, the world's going to end, it's like, yeah, the world as we know it might end, mm-hmm. but it's going to be this collective purge where we finally release this energy and we're able to evolve consciously and create a better world for all, which I'm, I'm hanging on to, to that because if you choose what you believe, I mean, I think that's a pretty amazing, incredible, and I feel it in my bones. It's something mm-hmm. that I feel very viscerally. Um, so I'd love to get your perspective on kind of what's happening collectively. Oof. Dude, this is great. So first of all, because you said um, evil backwards is live. What is love backwards? Evolve. Oh, <laughs> love. Evil. Oh. Evolve. <laughs> evil. But why I said that, just sarcastically, it's actually an Eminem line. So I just had to, had to bring that in. That's how I know that. Evolve. Mm. That would be cool if it was evolve. But, um, <laughs> but uh, so how I, I viewed this. I felt dyslexic there for a moment. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Um, so this is, I love that you bring this up. There's two things. So first I want to talk about fighting because of the spiritual battle. And then I want to go into what you talked about of the backwards of like the frequency or the consciousness and all that stuff. So fighting, like it is a spiritual battle, but a lot of people, especially in the conscious or spiritual communities, I believe get caught up in fighting. And whenever you fight, that reveals that you're not free from the thing yet. Mm. Speak more on that. So. um like for for example, right, is we can take it back to religion. Like if I have to convince someone or rebel against something and say, no, this isn't true. Like that you're not right. Stop trying to control me. What does that reveal? That you're still attached to it. I'm still controlled. Mm-hmm. Like if I have to try and convince someone and prove that I'm right, then that means I'm truly not at peace and I'm being controlled. So, because you can see that in religion, right? Of like when people leave, it's like, oh, like I feel deceived and all these things, which is totally understandable. But then if you fight back against something, it proves you're not free from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that's typically how trauma works, right? Is you're traumatized and all this fun thing. So, is so if you're fighting against something, is like if there's such a fine balance because some people's missions are to go in the weeds and be the whistleblowers and all those things. But the average person probably listening isn't about that. Right. So even for people like me and you, honestly, like I like on the day-to-day basis, I've actually 
I don't enjoy talking about it that much anymore because it's like, what is that really doing? Is like, if I am just talking about how like messed up the system is or like the vaccines or the mask or how divisive and all these lockdowns are like, whatever that is, it's like, yeah, that's happening. But what does me actually talking about it do? Mm, just perpetuates the yeah. story. Does it do, does it really do anything like, and I've always wondered for people who watch the news or like, dude, and you know, I mean, this is, I've definitely been caught in this, even in like stock market things or crypto things is like watching that go up and down. Yeah, that there's a reason for it, but ultimately does it even change what I'm doing? Mm. Like, am I going to sell right now? Yeah. Buy? Is it, no, it's just going to affect my energy. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so that's the type of thing of, but we're hooked into that. And so, even, so fighting and rebelling and saying, down with the system, fuck the system, that shows that you're not free from it. So the best way to fight a system is to free yourself from it. Mm. How do we do that? So it's like, oof, I mean, that's a great question is how, right? But it's to like, it's this interesting detachment and I'm still learning because there's a lot of misunderstanding where I think people could say, well, you're just, you're just ignorant. You're, mm. you, you don't care. Or you're just like, hey, you're bypassing the problem. Yeah, you gotta do something. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm like, is that true? Is me talking about the problem actually solving it? Or is me like, I'm not ignoring it. I'm essentially what you just said of like, when you were done of like, what am I focusing on? Focusing on the problem and talking about it just perpetuates it and gets it in the endless cycle. I'm not necessarily ignoring it, but I truly know it is unhelpful for me just to talk about who's vaccinated and who's not. Mm -hmm. It honestly doesn't matter yeah. to me. To show was, up and do the work that you're called to do is how you shift it, right? Yeah. And really honoring your soul's purpose. Yeah. Like, I, I can't go change government policy. And like, I can get all caught up in that. And that's why I have, you know, the, the social justice warriors when they're like so yeah. passionate about something that doesn't actually even affect their life, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like really quite fascinating how they're so detached. And like, but those people, someone needs to fight for them. And it's like that mm -hmm. idea of fighting, fighting, fighting. It's like, how do we let go of this story? It's even like the self-perpetuated thing of like, like oppression, right? And like, mm -hmm. it's a story that the more we talk about it, the more it stays alive. Like it's in true. order for us to find real equality and like racially and, and societally and all of this is to really fully let go of the story that there is even anything mm -hmm. there. And just be the thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, I like, obviously like in the conscious community, I had a conversation with someone about two days ago. Obviously there's like more white people in it, mm -hmm. you know, obviously. But it's like when our friend James was here this weekend, I'm not like, man, we're hanging out with a black guy. You know, it's like, <laughs> like we just be the thing. It's yeah. like, and that's cheesy probably to say like, I don't see color, but it's like, I'm able to do both, right? Meaning like I can talk about it or I can just be like, we're just are the thing. Yeah. And so I think that's what it is, is embodiment. Instead of just talking about the problem and perpetuating pr the problem, it's being the solution mm -hmm. and not, not necessarily preaching it. And even I've learned that with, I'm kind of, in this phase of using social media less or even being guided a way to just to be just more in-person things because I've even learned that these so-called experts on social media aren't really the experts. All the people that I've worked with, I've never found on social media. Mm. They're the people that are like, they don't have a big social media presence. They're the freaking gurus. And I had this realization actually over ACL weekend is, 
I want to be the quote unquote guru in the village that people travel to see. Mm-hmm. Like that's how my energy works. And like, I don't want to have to convince or over promote. That doesn't mean that I don't do that thing. I don't promote or it's not that I'm like resistant to promoting, but it's just like, I want to be the person because that's who I've learned from and connected the most of like some people find me or seek me out. Um, not just because it's like, I have a social media presence. So bring that all together, right? Of like, we are talking about fighting because that's like our nervous system is addicted to that. So it's, we are addicted to chaos and it's like literally peace is uncomfortable. We, so many people have a fear of feeling good. Mm. So it's, we perpetuate the story of always needing to be in stress yeah. and always in fight or flight. So that's why we fight. Yeah. And that's, that's just what just came to me when you were saying that is people, when people experience like full presence, it's very uncomfortable. Very scary. If you're not, if you're not used to it, but to be fully present is really the goal. It's what all these mystical teachers and gurus from the times have found, right? Like the story of Jesus, the story of Buddha, what they've really, what they really learned is to embody fully, full loving presence. Like they were present. And I truly believe like the story of Jesus, like the the way he healed was not because he had magical powers, but because he was so present. He wasn't in his mind in the story of future and past. Mm -hmm. And when you can access that, it's a very expansive place to be. Like time doesn't exist. Like the infinity lives in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced moments of that. And I'm trying to do my best to live in that. But in the world we live in, there's so much distraction. It's really fascinating. And that's part of the spiritual battle, right? Is like people... Like if you go to bed and you can't sleep without your TV on, if you sit and you don't have anything to do. And I found this with myself because I was traveling and I told you this actually recently, I was traveling on the road for eight weeks and I feel so good to be home and be grounded, Mm -hmm. but I have a lot more space now. And so I'll find myself in the middle of the day, like if I finished some of the stuff I needed to work on, I did my yoga, I kind of did all, marked the list of like all the things that I needed to do that day. And I sit there and I'm like, okay, what should I do? And I'm just like there and there's nothing going on. And it's very kind of uncomfortable. I'm like, shit, I should, I should be doing something. I should fill my time. And I found myself to have an awareness of that and just be like, hey, it's okay to sit here, just be here. Like even to read a book is distracting yourself from that, that energy of that presence because mm-hmm. it is so overwhelming. Because to experience presence, I truly believe, is to experience God. Like that's where God lives in the present moment. And that's why our bodies are such an important tool because our bodies live in the present. Our bodies don't live in our minds. Like we're constantly in our minds and our thoughts, you know, navigating them attaching to them, seeing where they're taking us, projecting what we want to create in the future, maybe regrets around the past, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the body lives in the present. And so if you're trying to be more present, it's literally connecting to that somatic experience and knowing like the energy that lives in your body and tuning into it. But presence is the gift. And that's what really what like trying to create even on these retreat experiences, like how do I create more presence? And the people that come to these retreats, Afterwards, they're going to be like, that was such an imaginable experience. It changed my Mm -hmm. life. They might not consciously be able to know why, but I know why. It's because Mm -hmm. I was able to create a container of presence. We didn't have our phones. We shared intimacy as a group. And it's because we had tools and we dropped in. We took some deep breaths together. And experiencing presence is such a rarity nowadays. And if you can find places, and that's why our community is so amazing. Because when I'm around our community, like everybody's so present with each other. And that's what I realized. That's the expansive energy. And if, if you're not present, you're always constantly thinking about that's, that's the work. And that's mm-hmm. where the introspection gets. Because how do you let go of the stories that are keeping you away from being present? Mm-hmm. And that goes into like what, we, what we've talked about before privately is a great example of like the, way, the best way to fight a, 
fight a system is to free yourself from it is like Viktor Frankl, right? It's like, yes, physically, obviously he was in like the worst place a, a human could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Experienced the most immense suffering you can even yeah, imagine. But he was free. Mm. And so it's it's an internal story, right? It's like, no matter what the government says, like I have to get this or I have to do this, is like, okay, yes, I can still be a practical human living a physical experience. But it's like freedom is an internal, it is a story, right? It, it's literally what you believe. And one thing I believe and like to tell people is you mentioned this earlier, like, well, this is what I believe and will hold on to and I feel it in my bones. Everyone is delusional. There is no like objective truth, right? If you believe that the fear is that the world is ending, it's going to happen. If because that's what you feel like, like, because that's your present moment, going back to the present moment. And but nothing has happened. So anything in the future is fictional and it's it, it's an illusion. So whether it is, okay, I know that I'm going to get enough money to um, fund my business. That hasn't happened yet, but I get to choose whether I believe it or not. So to me, what is more helpful? Same thing when I got booed on stage, like, okay, I could either pout and say I'm not good enough. And yes, I still want to express and feel those feelings. Yes, that sucked. That was hurtful. But is it, it's delusional any way I look at it. Like, it's not a truth. It's not an objective, 100% proven fact that because I got booed once on stage, I'm not a good rapper and I'll never be there and I'm not good enough. Right? And so it's these absolute 100% fact stories that we tell us, tell ourselves and back to the, like, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Like, we really are addicted to fighting. Mm. And in the book you gave me, um, Only Fear Dies, when he talks about that in it, which actually literally Joe stopped me in my tracks and I like stopped posting on Instagram because it was, it talked about how progress is a paradox. The more we progress, the more we don't have, the more enough, the more not enough we are. Mm. And so that literally stopped me. I'm like, whoa, am I just adding to the noise of like more telling, giving people more things to do and more things to think about? And, you know, so it had me recalibrate, but that goes into the fighting thing too of like, has fighting a war actually really ever helped? And I don't know, maybe it has like a little bit, right? And it's happened. So it's not like we can like regret it. It happened the way it's supposed to happen. But um, just even to think of the word progress in general, progress itself means we're not good enough right now, which mm-hmm. is out of the present. So how you fight the system is like, no, <clears throat> I am free now. Yeah. And, and I am just, I keep choosing that over and over and over. And eventually that ripples through everyone else. Yeah. And it's, and it's deep work. You're mm-hmm. going to be constantly being pulled out of the present moment. And that's why, you know, training your awareness, it's a muscle. It's like, oh, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling anxiety. I'm feeling fear. Okay. Why? Like what's, what's the story that's taking me out of being present and having that awareness and training that awareness and being able to come back into the present moment is I think if we can all live in the present moment, that's really the the energy we're all looking for. And like you said, you know, it's every single path that we can go on goes on for infinity mm-hmm. and it, there's no end to it. You know, it's like the, the rat race, like, oh, there's always more money to have. There's always another job. There's always another promotion. There's always another experience. There's always another book to read. Every single thing you can think of any path of purpose that you want to go on. And this is why it's a paradox because you need that. You need the path to go on 
to realize that you're right where you want to be yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I like the most powerful spiritual quote. And for those of you listening, this is, there's, this is one of the most powerful because there's so many deep layers to it. But when I fully understood this, I was able to let go of the striving and just be the striving. Whereas what you're mm-hmm. searching for is where you're searching from. Oh yeah, say that again. That's good. Where you're, what you're searching for is where you're searching from, and so like circling back to the, the first conversation we had, or early in the conversation, we we all are born with the desire to know God, and to realize we are God searching out the experience of God, and so what you're searching for is the experience of presence, which is yourself, which is now, which is being comfortable with who you are and letting go of all the stories of why you're not, why you can't be present what you're lacking, what you need to feel better. And to really find that is that's enlightenment, right? And so all those paths lead for infinity, but you, you, the paradox is you have to go on the path yeah. to figure that out. And so to not judge yourself for being on the path. And like now, I, there's definitely things I want to create in the world, things I'm being called to do, things I want to experience, things I want to accumulate as far as wealth, but I'm not attached to it because I'm not lacking in this moment. I'm just creating from a place of creation. Mm. and to become the creator of your reality like you said like you the story of you're telling yourself of like the example of you want being on stage and you could choose the story of like i'm not worthy i'm not good enough i'm just Mm going to throw this all away or you can choose to be like i'm going to use this as fuel to go prove to myself that i am really good at this like that's you are the creator of your reality and so the key with this whole journey is like are you a victim it's very simple are you a victim of Mm -hmm. your circumstance are you the creator of your reality it doesn't change the circumstance it changed the story around the circumstance. And so a lot of people say, well, you know, you're so lucky. Like you haven't had as many challenges. And like, I've had a lot of guilt around having a really good life. Me too. A lot of, a lot of privilege. I, mm-hmm. I've made it so far. But I have gone through my own internal stories of shame, of unworthiness. And I've worked through those. And that's the work that matters. All the external circumstances. Like I've been challenged in a lot of ways. But I've chosen to learn through them, grow through them, properly grieve experiences and losses and all that. And do it in a healthy way, but like really continue on the path. Where is this leading me? And not attaching to it so much. I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, progress is unnecessary, but also absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. What a paradox we live in, huh? Mm-hmm. And then just to yeah summarize what I said, what we're going to go into of like fear and love. Of, And you brought this in earlier in the conversation of like, they're like the roots and complete opposites, but... You've read the Kabbalion or the Kabbalion? The Kabbalah? Kabbalion? Kabbalion. So the hermetic, like hermeticism, uh-huh. right? And one of the rules is, is about um, polarity, which is essentially the paradox. Mm-hmm. So it says how paradoxes meet. So all paradoxes meet and opposites are different in degree. Um, oh, shit. It, it's, so opposites are the same in degree. No, opposites are different in degree, but the same. Damn it, I forgot it. <laughs> but it's like, but uh, hold on, let me. I have to get this quote, so let me get my phone. Okay, and I'll just, while you're looking that up, for those of you that were, you know, the, the quote around Viktor Frankl, um, if you're interested in that book, it's called Man's Search for Meaning. And it's a very powerful, powerful book. Um, and it's really cool because, you know, Viktor Frankl is actually a psychologist or psychiatrist or something. He was studying kind of these, this work and then he was taken into Auschwitz concentration camp. And actually, you know, because he had all these tools and was doing all this research around mindset and purpose and hope and all this stuff, he actually got to put it into practice. And he was able to find 
deep inner levels of freedom in one of the worst environments known to man in modern human history. And I think that's really fascinating. So it's a really good book if you guys are interested in reading that. Boom. And the quote, I'm, I'm going to memorize this from now on. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Meaning fear and love are the same. And you brought this in because it's, I forgot what you called it, but how I view it is this intelligence, this source energy, it's all the same, but it's a different perception. It's literally a different frequency. Like if you look at colors in the um, electromagnetic magnetic spectrum, they are literally just different size of waves, right? Is it one's bigger, like up and down and one's like tighter. And so that's how literally all frequency works is right of like how, like what is the range of its frequency? The same thing in sound, all these things we don't see, like why this color is, or why this table is brown, why this thing is because it's literally the wave that my my perception, right, is it's seeing the frequency, the the wave, the actual wavelengths, which is energy and frequency. And so fear and love work in the same way. So fear is um, is a very constricted, tight um, frequency. And then love is this expansive, you know, no, no rules, just free frequency. But they are, so they're opposites on the spectrum, but they are identical, meaning is like the same thing if you look at temperature, right? This Here's one example of hot and cold. It's still feeling, right? It's like hot and cold is a feeling, but it's the same thing. Yeah. So, and what is hot and cold if it's not in relate relation to each other? Like if you mm-hmm, just all of a sudden mm-hmm. showed them an experience and you experienced the temperature, you wouldn't know it was cold. Like where does it go from cold to hot? Exactly. Like it's just a related relationship. Yeah. And so same thing with fear and love. It's like, it's, it doesn't just like start and stop. Like here's fear, here's love. And that's why they're so closely related. And that's why there's like fe- fear is basically just the absence of love. The same way that cold is the absence of heat mm. is like, but what you said is like, you need the contrast to understand both. And, but it's still a degree meaning is like fear. Isn't just like, Oh my God, this thing. I like, it's like, no, like, it's not the absence of love and fear is a lot of self-protection, which is love trying to protect us, mm-hmm. but it's just confused, misunderstood, misunderstood version of it. So they're not enemies, right? They're literally the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're still source. They're still this intelligence. It's still, it's like a feeling of temperature and it's still like high and low, which doesn't really mean anything either. Right. It's still literally like our earth is made of, the magnetism is from the polarity of the North and South South pole. Mm-hmm. Like we need that. And it's not like the North pole is better than the South pole. It's like, no, it's the same thing. It's just, you need that pole to experience this human, this human experience. Yeah. To have an experience, yeah. you need to have the polarity mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the parrot. I could talk to you about this um, for a long time. <laughs> Um, but I think we're going to close it out. I would love to hear from all of you listeners, what you thought of this podcast. If you want to have Ben on, he has his own podcast. What's your podcast called? Feeling free, feeling free. So if you're into that, go check out his podcast. We'll put links in the show notes. Um, really appreciate y'all listening. So I'm working on a new premium, uh, membership for the podcast, creating community around this podcast. And we're using a thing called circle. There'll be a link in the show notes and, um, I'd love for you to join. It's free. And then there's going to be a premium membership where we're actually going to do 
extended conversations with guests. I'm going to do solo casts and a lot of other amazing content, some ask me anything, and I'm actually going to be engaging in there. It's kind of like a separate social platform of just an internal community of people that are really into this podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to engage with you. If that's something that interests you, go check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, and I'd really appreciate that support. If you don't feel called to join the community, and even if you do, a really good way to support this podcast, if you enjoyed it, is to leave a five-star review. And if anything in this podcast had a uh, impact on your life and benefited you in any way, and you think it might benefit somebody you know, go ahead and share it. It's really simple. Copy the leak link and share it on your social, share it with anybody that you think might benefit from it. And uh, I'm going to try and put a, a, a link to a, a, a YouTube video of Ben rapping because <laughs> I think it's the most incredible thing. So I'm going to ask him to share a link and I'll put it in the show notes as well. Check that out and reach out to Ben. Where can people find you other than the podcast? So feeling-free.com is the website so you can feel into and adventure and all the offerings. And then, yeah, the podcast and then Instagram is the fear guy. Um, but if you just go to my website, feeling-free.com, you can find all the things. No, go check it out. Thank you so much for coming on, Ben. I really enjoyed it. Dude, thank you, brother. Seriously. Thank you. Appreciate you. Everyone, subscribe, leave a review. Thank you. Thank you. My man. All right, everybody. Peace. Thank you.